This, 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 Hi, I'm Adam. Thank you very much for downloading episode 19 of the Fight Disciples podcast. Never miss anything that we do by subscribing for free on iTunes. If you could write us a five-star review as well, we will be forever in your debt. What an episode you have chosen to download. Oh, my days. My colleague, Nick Pete, bins me off for a UFC champion. When he drops me a line, so... Head on down to London, let's spend the day together. I couldn't say no. To be fair, that UFC champion has quite a lot to say. And uh, the, the call came through and I found out, what the hell, and I went into panic mode and I thought, screw the weights, I need to run. I need to A, lose some weight. Well, no, i tell you what I did. I walked to the, the scales in the gym straight away, stripped off, got on the scale. He said 212 pounds. I thought, holy shit. And ahead of his nowhere back bout with George Groves, I catch up with super middleweight contender Martin Murray. But you don't know he's that arrogant. You could actually think that he's that much better and that superior that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really need to take it seriously. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Uh, Nick's not with me in the studio this week. Uh, there is a reason for it, because he's shallow. He doesn't love me enough. That's what it is. And when the middleweight champion of the world gives you a phone call, he uh, fucks it down to London just to go and have uh, tea and biscuits with him. Don't you? That's what you've done. You've been me off for Bispin. Listen, I get to spend every week with you in the top of that tower, and we have a fantastic time. <laughs> but this guy, it's taken this guy 10 years to become champion of the world, so when he, when he drops me a line and says, Head on down to London, Nick. Let's spend the day together. I couldn't say no, and uh, you know what? I couldn't. Uh, I'm so glad I did come down as well because I've never seen a new champion as happy and as content with life as Michael Bisping. I truly believe if he never fights again, he will die a very happy man. Uh, make sure you stick around with the podcast because you're going to get to hear uh, Nick with his new boyfriend uh, having a lovely <laughs> cup of tea and biscuits as they met and chat about various things in the world of UFC. It's all coming up a little bit later on in the podcast. Before we get to that, though, uh, let's talk about the big news that is happening currently in the world of UFC. Tell me about uh, Zuffer accepting this 4.2 million bid. Have they or haven't they? Are they selling the UFC? Well, you know, there's, there's no smoke without fire with these things. And, um, you know, they, it's been doing a, the news has been doing the rounds for a while now, well over a week now, that there's a series of bidders in. The latest I hear is that there is at least four sealed bids in for ownership of the UFC. Mm. Um, the price seems to be around the $4.2 billion mark. Um, amongst the front runners is a, is a, a, a trifecta of EMG, fronted by Ari Emanuel, who is the super agent from Hollywood, and the Kraft family, who own the New England Patriots in the U.S. Uh, they're part of one kind of group, and there's, a, and there's a Middle East investment group, I think, in there as well. So, you know, with all of these things, there's no smoke without fire. In the U.S., a couple of, couple of internet sites reported it was a done deal last night, on Monday night. Mm. But, but the UFC themselves, Dave Scholler, the head of uh, public relations, he was quick to send an email internally throughout the entire company, which was signed by the, uh, co uh, the, the co-owner and the CEO, Lorenzo Petita, insisting that no deal had been done. So, uh, What would this what, mean going forward? What would this mean for Dana? Um, if the rumours are true, if the stories are true, 
And I think what we'll find out at UFC 200, which is in a fortnight's time, the biggest event of the year, three events back-to-back, International Fight Week, I think they will be making a formal announcement then. But from what we gather, Dana White is part of the package. Dana White won't be leaving the UFC anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd expect it to be really a gradual handover, certainly in terms of Dana Department as president. Uh, regarding uh, the actual fighting that goes on inside the octagon, big news uh, for fight fans who uh, used to love uh, the Canadian bombshell that is GSP. Um, Twitter has gone crazy this morning with uh, news that he is ready to get himself back in the octagon. Do you think that's going to happen this year? Yeah, I think it really is. And, um, you know, it was, it was broken in the US again. It was a big story last night. He was on Ariel Halwani, everyone's favourite sobbing journalist. He likes <laughs> a whinge on his podcast. Allow back in? Uh, is Ariel allowed back in? All right. <laughs> Between Ariel's tears, uh, we actually got a story, and that was GSP. Yeah, he confirmed he was in negotiations or his team were with the UFC regarding a return to the octagon. Um, and it was something we, we, never, we kind of thought was going to happen once this USADA deal, the drugs program was introduced, because that was the real reason kind of GSP, you know, instigated that was why he left in the first place. And now that's cleared up. This is a way for him to come back. The interesting thing is, you know, my, my new best mate, Mike Fishman, seems to be the guy who's in the in main firing line for GSP. Yeah, it I saw seems that. Like he wants a crack at Fishman, like everybody else. So, uh, but, you know, the sport's going to be so much better for it. You know, what GSP's got left at this stage, I don't know. We were chatting this morning in the office, trying to review what boxers left the sport for three years and came back and achieved more or, or recouped their former glories and... You know, outside the heavyweight division, there's not many, to be honest, that ever come back and do it. Mm. But GSP was a super athlete. He was by far the best welterweight we've ever seen. Uh, potentially, in my opinion, the best fighter, we've most complete fighter, champion we've seen in the UFC ever. So uh, to have him back would be fantastic. It just, what's he coming back for? Is it a Brock Lesnar job? Come back for a bit of a, a freak show fight, a couple of huge paydays? Or is he actually coming back to win back the welterweight title? Mm. Should be interesting. Speaking of welterweights, um, Lawler Woodley, we're dead excited about that. That's happening in uh, UFC 201. Um, one man that uh, will have his eyes firmly fixed on the pair of them and that particular fight is now the number one welterweight contender after the weekend in Ottawa, Wonderboy. Stephen Thompson yeah. looked good, didn't he? He looked wicked. What a brilliant performance that was. He just didn't let Rory get into the fight at all. Mm. He used his length. You know, I was chatting with Gareth A. Davis this week and Gareth said to me, you know, Wonderboy looks six foot six, and he really did. He looked massive in the octagon. He just looks so much bigger than Rory. And Rory's a guy, you know, he's number one contender at the one seventy pound weight class. This is a guy that usually dwarfs everybody else. But Wonderboy looked massive and used his tools, used what he had to his advantage as better strikers, better kicking, as better punching, can completely dominate the fight. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes, like, Rory was involved in that fight of the year last year, wasn't he, with Robbie yeah. Hall and Adam? And well, you alluded me. to this last week, didn't you, whether it had taken a lot out of him? Exactly. And you, you never know how a guy's going to come back from a beating like that, you know, because I don't think when you go through a, a beating like that, a beating that, you know, fight of the year job, and you come out as the, as the loser, you're never the same. You know, it takes a little bit away of your soul, it takes a bit of your spirit away. And, uh, you know, it, it seemed like that on Saturday night. Take nothing away from, from uh, Wonderboy. I thought Wonderboy was wicked, and I know you're a big fan of Wonderboy anyway. Mm. So I'm sure you were delighted. But uh, it, it felt like a bit of a change in the guard. And I don't know where, I don't know where Rory goes from here, you know, because that's back-to-back defeat. It was the final fight on his UFC contract. He was gambling that he was going to have a big performance. And 
and then take that to negotiating table with the UFC. I don't think that performance helps him negotiate with the UFC, you know, because yes, he was the number one contender, but mm. to lose so emphatically like that and to certainly suffer from a very badly broken nose once again, which we subsequently got found out afterwards that he suffered couple of broken noses in the build-up to the fight. Yeah. Well, if you think Robbie Lawler smashed his nose a bit and he had to have reconstructing surgery over Christmas, that doesn't sound good for the rest of his career if he's going to continue fighting that his nose just seems to have given up on him. Hot division, the welterweights. And speaking of which, oh, yeah. Cowboy. He, um, we had many doubts. Last week we were talking about um, whether he is uh, cutting it at his new weight. Um, well, he's definitely cutting it because uh, he inflicted the first knockout defeat in his MMA career on Cote. Never been done before. Yeah. He's had, th- I think, 33 in total uh, mixed martial arts fights. Never been sparked before. Cowboy did the business in the third round. Great finish. He really did, yeah. I thought that was the best performance. Obviously, the best performance Cowboy's had as a welterweight. And it answered a lot of questions. No, we were very vocal last week, on last week's show saying we don't know whether he's big enough. It's going to take time. Cote is going to be a real test because he's a very big welterweight. A former middleweight, in fact. Yeah. But, Jesus, he did the business and then some, didn't he? Just obliterated him with a, you know, a check, a bonus check win and knockout. <laughs> you can't ask no more than that. I think he's got now the record for the bonus check wins. I think he's got about 17 now on his record, which I think is a UFC record. And I think he's got now 15 finishes, which is fantastic in your uh, UFC career. Exactly. You know, people need to understand that the UFC, in, in kind of like boxing terms, you know, it's almost like winning... Just getting into the UFC and then, you know, an MMA is, is like winning a world. You've got to be a world champion somewhere else to get into the UFC. You've yeah. got to be of that Well, standard. it's like so, if you compare it to footy, it's Champions yeah. League footy, isn't it? You're playing in the Champions League. Exactly. That's the perfect way to describe it is football, yeah. This is the Champions League. And to be the guy who's the leading goal scorer in the Champions League or in his turn, you know, the leading knockout striker or performance bonus, I think he's, he must be right up there with Joe Lauzon now. I know Joe Lauzon, the lightweight's got so many bonuses. I think he's built about three houses with them. <laughs> but the uh, cowboy owns a ranch out in Albuquerque in New yeah. Mexico as well. And plus, as we know, he likes to go shark wrestling and alligator dodging and cliff jumping and you know all these other crazy bonkers pursuits that he does. So he's got to fund them somehow, and that's the only way you can fund them is by winning bonuses. But we love it. Right, laughing boy. This is the time. Um, where did you meet up with Mr. Bispin? Well, it was very posh, you know. It sounds it. Of... I'll be honest with you. It sounds it. It sounds like you two are enjoying yourselves, eating cakes and uh, having a cup of tea. Very English. I like that. Listen, a few years ago, I remember going up to Witness, and uh, we sat in a greasy spoon. And in fact, it was a. It wasn't even a restaurant. It wasn't even a greasy spoon cat. It was a tattoo parlour that sold coffee, <laughs> and we sat in there and I interviewed him about being in the UFC and all this other stuff about his early UFC career. And now we fast forward, you know, best part of seven or eight years. We're sitting in the Cafe Royal, just off Piccadilly Circus. We're clinking China cups, having a little cup of tea. And uh, it, it was great, you know. It was, it was good to see how happy Mike was because, you know, he's a guy that's worked so hard. He's been such a pioneer for MMA for the UK. And for him to be now champion of the world, but not only that, beating Anderson Silva, then beating Luke Rockhold, the guy. Everyone was, including us, everyone said he's going to dominate the middleweight division forever and a day. Yep. He didn't have a chance to do them, both of them this year. Well, he's made, he's made our job easier, fighters only for the World MMA Awards coming up. Because so far, Mike Bisserman's front runner in about four different categories. Here he is, Nick Pete, speaking to his new boyfriend. 
This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Obviously, the Rocco Wyden match was made. Yeah. Had you already spoken to the UFC about the potential of one of them pulling out that you were available? Or were you just kind of the first person to answer the call? No, so, no, no, I hadn't. Not at all. But Jason Perillo did say to me, make sure you stay in shape. I've got a, a feeling one of these guys is going to get injured. That was the conversation we had. But I got that movie, The New Triple X, and I went up to Toronto and I was filming that. Um, so I was, I was distracted doing that. But, of course, you want to look decent on a movie. So I, I was... I was running most days, I was lifting weights most days, I worked out with a striking coach called Jorge Blanco, who works with GSP and Rashad Evans, very, very good striking coach, so, you know, I, I, I was I was ticking over, you know, um, and then I, I found out that Wyman was injured, I texted Dana uh, that day uh, and said, listen, if, if, if he's out, you know, you know where I am, he texted me back and said, you know, um, Thanks, great stuff. We love you, but we're probably going to go with Jacare, which I understood. You know, I, I could understand that, uh, but I thought well, at least it'll put me in a good position. Maybe I'll get the winner of Jacare and Rockhold. You know, and that was ultimately that was my game plan. Yeah. I didn't actually think I'd get it, but I thought by showing willing, it puts me. You know, I, I enter myself into the conversation again with the top brass. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, of course, um, course Jacare didn't want the fight, and uh, you know. I got the call the next day. When the fight did come around, did you? Is that something? You know, was Rockhold someone you've thought about a lot? Because when you were in London after the after the final media day prior to Anderson, I sat with Jason for about an hour, and we spoke quite a quite a lot about Rockhold. And he was telling me that Rockhold was the best guy in the division. That Rockhold yeah. could reign for a long time. That Rockhold was the toughest opponent out there. So yeah. But there was never a conversation between you and Jason. Where you thought. Rockhold's a 12-week camp. He's a 10-week... No, 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 never, never, never. I mean, to be honest, when I found out of Dana, I've told this story 20 times today, but I'll I'll tell it again. Um, I was walking into a gym just to go lift some weights, whatever, just have a play around and get a sweat on, you know? And uh, the the call came through and I found out. I was like, what the hell? And I went into panic mode and I thought, screw the weights, I need to run. I need to A, lose some weight. Well, no, I'll tell you what I did. I walked to the, the scales in the gym straight away, stripped off, got on the scale. It said 212 pounds. I thought, holy shit, that's not good. That's nowhere near uh, where I need to be. And uh, and I need to run right now. So never mind the weights. I went outside and I just started sprinting through the streets of Toronto. Didn't want to stop at the traffic light, so I was just running out in front of the traffic. Nearly got run over about five times and just ran and ran and ran and ran. And uh, I was uh, very, very flustered. You know, all, all different emotions running through my mind. <clears throat> One of them, uh, I was actually, uh, for, for, for a short period of time, feeling a bit sorry for myself. I thought, I don't believe this. After a lifetime of wanting to achieve this, here I am. I'm 212 pounds. I'm overweight. I'm out of shape. And I've got to go fight for a title fight, you know, and... If I lose it, I'll never get another one again. And this is the circumstance of how it's come around. And I thought, I don't believe this. But as I was running, you know, I was running hard. And, and by the, I did like six or seven mile. And at the end of it, I thought, well, that was good. I mean, I mean th- that felt great. Yeah. And I, I did two more days of filming. Got off the plane, went straight to the gym. Did five fives hard on the pad with Jason. And I was like, holy shit, that was, that was good, right? You know, I, I, I couldn't believe it. So I was like... That was the same output of what I normally have a week before a fight. It was like, yes. So I said, right, the true test will be Monday for the sparring. Used the same sparring partners what I used for the Anderson fight. Yeah. Performed way better than I ever did against him. Beat the crap out of him. And uh, got through five fights relatively easy. 
I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. Okay, tonight when I do the circuit training, that'll be the real test. And again, my strength and conditioning coach, he was blown away. He said, it's crazy, mate. He said, but you're right where you were the last week of the Anderson camp. And uh, it's like Jason said, he said, listen, you've worked a lifetime for this. You know, it wasn't that long ago. You went five fives with Anderson. It's in there. You've just got to harness it. You know, you've got to believe that you can do it. And, you know, yeah. Did, it, did that ultimately work in your favour, you think? The fact that you didn't have a massively, massively. You didn't have to think about it that much? Well, well, well th- th- there was that side of things. You know, there was... I didn't have to think about it that much. I didn't stress myself out. But there's also the, the physical side of things. I've consistently overtrained my entire career. Yeah. And to be honest, I think a lot of fighters overtrain. You know, still, we've still got a long way to go. And the problem is we have so many dis- different disciplines, right? Yeah. And we can try and cram it all in. And I overtrain all the time, uh, you know, but uh, sometimes less is more. And every time I think I'm overtraining, I, I still continue doing it because... I don't want to run out of gas in a fight or whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I typically start training camp and I'm strong and explosive and I feel good. By the end of the camp, yeah, I'm in good shape, but I've lost some strength and some power and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, obviously there was no time for that to happen and the weight was low, so I felt great. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. If you want to hear the full interview with michael bispin make sure you subscribe to our podcast there is an additional extra download for you this week to enjoy Uh, now let's move on to the world of boxing there's a big one this weekend at the o2 arena anthony joshua is in action but first of all i want to point our attention towards the undercard martin murray one of our favorites takes on george groves in my opinion it's a real 50 50 fight it is fight week so I decided to give Martin a call to catch up. Last time um, we spoke, it was fight week then, but it was building up to a different fight. And it was weird because on the day that we were speaking, it was announced that you'd be fighting Groves. It must be quite nice now to have your mind truly focused just on one block. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, it got announced last time when I, when I already had a fight fight before it which, which is something I don't like doing because you know I, I never come with chickens and it's one fight at a time uh, but now I can just focus completely on Groves obviously got that fight all the way and since since then mate, all I've been doing is focusing on Groves like I'm you know I'm proper proper well up for this fight it seems it seems like it's the you know the biggest fight in the career and even though it's not a world title fight it's got that feel to it like you know yeah do you think do you think that's country. because it's in the UK? You're used to yeah. obviously going on the road and fighting in Germany and Argentina and all these places for the big fights, for the big world title fights. This is, yeah. to my reckoning, the biggest one in the UK that you've been involved in. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. And I was just going to say that then. It's just because, it, you know, it, 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 I've always wanted the big fights over here. And, you know, I've never had them. And, and this is my first proper one. So, you know, it's something I've been working towards toward and working hard for, for a long time. It's finally, you saw... You know, I'm, uh, I'm buzzing about it. You know, I'm nervous and I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, but, you know, it, it's all good. It's all, mm. it's all good, positive nerves and, you know, it, it's getting me, uh, getting me feeling well. I'm just, I'm just itching to go, look at, I can't wait to get in there on Saturday. Does that come from knowing what's at stake with the fight? Yeah, definitely, mate, yeah. Um, you know, it's it, 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 it make a break, really. It, you know, it, it, it's a fight where we're both, we're both in a similar position. Um, you know, fair world title fight. You know, the the winner, with it being a world title eliminated, the winner goes on to another world title. The loser, 
you know, I could very well hang the gloves up, but I'm not, I'm not ready for that. You know, I, I feel like I'm only just getting into my prime. I've got so much more to give, you know, and I'll be going, I'll be going all out on Saturday. You know, I'll be, I've left no stone unturned in training and I'll leave no stone unturned on, uh, on Saturday. You know, I'm uh, going to leave everything in there on Saturday. And, you know, it, it will be what it will be, but, you know, I'm quietly confident. And, uh, you know, I, I really feel that I'm going to make a statement on Saturday when we fight. A lot of fans are excited, mainly because of the Gloves Are Off programme. Everybody's been tuning into that and talking about it, mate. Were you a little bit disappointed that he didn't turn up with a Rubik's Cube? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I, expected, I expected him to be exactly the way he was, which is, you know, I've, I've, got, it on, I've got him under control. You know, he, he knows that he can't play instead against yeah. him. They know that they don't wash. So he's obviously had to change his approach, which, I don't think it's really him, to be honest with you. But he knows it, it won't work, you know what I mean? So he's kind of like, he's kind of playing, playing to my tune, really. Mm. But, you know, he, there, is, there was still an arrogance about him. Do you um, think he's underestimating you? Because I got a little bit of that from it, that he, he thinks that he's far superior, whereas everybody seems yeah. in the boxing world are talking that this is a 50-50 fight, and that's how I see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think he, he, he's just naturally arrogant and cocky. Um, you know, I, I, I thought Carl Fox punched that out of him, but you know, he he, <laughs> he obviously he obviously never he's you know when he fought Badu Jack, I heard he was um, you know he, he was seriously considering retiring. You know, I heard he was distraught. Yeah, and then he's come back since and had two wins against opponents who's given nothing back, and he's got this confidence that where he's he's thinking that I'm going to be just like them two, and it's going to be an easy fight. Which is good because I want him thinking that because you know when he when he gets in there on Saturday, he, he realise how wrong he's been and he realise that he's in, you know he's in with a world class fighter. He's on, he's only his second one in my opinion of his fought. Mm. You know he fought James DeGale, who's world class now, but was it when he fought him? He fought Carl Fox, who was world class, and Badu Jack. He's not established as a world class fighter yet. He's a world champion, but yeah, you know he's he's, he's far from elite, so. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's going to realise on Saturday when he when he gets in with me that he's in with a quality elite world title fighter, and he's, uh, you know, he's going to he's going to pay the consequences for overlooking me. Does that um, put a little bit of extra between your teeth when somebody is uh, underestimating you so much? Yeah, oh, definitely. Like, you, you know, <laughs> the, the, the amount of times I've been talking, I've called them bags groves in game. You know what I'm putting him. <laughs> <laughs> Just talking to me all the time, you know, when I'm training, it's just, like you said, it just gives you that little bit between your teeth, you know, it just, just makes you train that bit harder, just makes you that little bit angrier, uh, which is good, which is good for me because I can always control it, but it's just, you know, I've got a proper, proper trained out for this and, you know, I'm physically and mentally in the condition of my life, so... No, I can't, I can't wait to go on Saturday. You mentioned Carl Frotch's name there. I don't like comparing fighters to other fighters, but Carl's got quite a lot of qualities, or had, yeah. now he's retired, had a, a lot of qualities, that I see in you. That doggy determination, the tough, you go in the full distance, if it goes the full distance, you're prepared to go in for a war, you can box at distance as well. Do, yeah. you, do, do you agree with that? That Groves has probably seen a little bit with Frotch and came up short previously, but he's not looking at you in that same light. Yeah, yeah, I think that. Now, you know, I, I obviously when he's fighting him, I've, I've looked in depth at his fight. You know, I was, I've watched the the, the, the Fox Groves on many times, and you know, Carl Fox has never fought as bad. That was a terrible performance that by Carl Fox. Terrible. 
know, the only thing that kept him in there was his, his will, yeah. his gritty determination and his chin. Because he didn't have to take some shots that night. But, you know, he's never fought as bad. But, yeah, he still won. He still come out on top. Fair enough, it was, you know, debatable, de- de- debatable uh, what happened, you know, the stoppage. But I think it was, as it went on, it was, you know, it was inevitable. It was only going to happen. Whereas, you know, you, you, I think that was because Carl Fox overlooked him the first time. Yeah. Now, you, you look at the Carl Fox, uh, the Fox Groves too. You know, Groves was a little bit reserved, tried to save a little bit more energy up down, down towards, you know, the, the back end of the fight. But Fox uh, was a lot more switched on, mm. fought the way you usually fight. And, you know, it, it was just a you know, different outcome, just a completely different fight. So, you know, like, you, you look at Groves and I think he's kind of doing to me so what as to what Frox did to him the yeah. first time. He's, he's overlooking. He doesn't see me. He doesn't see me, you know, on, on, on that type of level. Is that he why you think that you think he'll crumble? Because when he gets in there and realises, oh, hang on, this is uh, this is serious stuff, yeah. that it might break his heart a little? Yeah, definitely, yeah. He's, he's going to realise on Saturday that if he's in for an hard fight. And if he's not... I, mean, I don't think he's stupid enough not to have, not to have um, you know, prepared himself for that. But you don't know, he's that arrogant. He could actually think that he's that much better and that superior that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really need to take me seriously. But when we're in there on Saturday, and I can't wait to see the look on his face when he realises how much of an hard fight he's in for. One thing that I will compliment him for is his jab. I mean, he's got a cracking jab, mate. Yeah. Um, and I've no doubt within your game plan, I don't want you to reveal anything just in case anybody's listening, but I've no doubt that that is part of the game plan to try and get inside that. Yeah, we, we, we've obviously been working around the jab. That is his best weapon. He, he thinks it's the best jab in boxing, which he's not. I know we'll face better. I won't go that far. It's good. <laughs> no, but no, that's what Groves thinks. That's what he actually... But he's that arrogant. He actually thinks that he's the best jab in the world. But <laughs> but he goes on like it's the best jab in boxing. It's not. I've, I've been in with people with better jabs than him. You know, but, but at the same time, I am... So you think like it's going to be the best jab, the best race I've ever been in with. So, you know, I've got a feeling that when we fight on Saturday, it's going to be it's going to be like a you know a pleasant surprise for me when you know I, I realise how we I'm going to be dealing with it. How are you dealing with all the uh, extra media attention regarding this fight? Because this is, I mean, it's crackers. Obviously, Anthony Joshua's on the bill, so uh, there's always a uh, a lot of paparazzi that follow him around when he's doing his thing. But obviously, Eubank Junior's on this bill as well. There's yourselves. There's a lot of yeah. media attention, like casual fans getting involved in this one. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's just this fight, especially with, with, with you know the, the old bill, but this fight, especially, it's just captured, you know, just, just the, the normal person, just, just yeah. the attention. You know, I was picking the kids up from school the other week, and you know, I was walking. What well, it'd be nice, so I was walking home with them. Next minute, some fella comes running past me in his IVs stuff. He looks at me, runs about twenty yards. We must have realised that it was me. Stops, turns back, comes to me, and just I didn't even know the fact. Just like, oh, you're not that George, you're <laughs> <laughs> But honestly, the amount of people that that come up that have come up to me and said that just, just, just average people, just normal people, yeah. were, you know, with, uh, the more casual fan, like, the more casual fan, the more that casual have, yeah. fan. Yeah, so it's really really caught the attention of uh, you know uh, of the casual fans. So it's, you know, it, it's great. It, you know, it's not only uh, great, great for me from the profile, but it's also great for, for the sport of boxing. You know, of course, these yeah. are the fights. These, these are the fights that boxing needs.
No, absolutely, mate. Um, I know that um, you've had a fantastic camp with Oliver and the guys in the gym. I know that you've been doing bits with Rocky and obviously uh, Anthony Fowler's been in there as well with you, which is all good regarding the conditioning and all that type of stuff. But one thing I just want to pick holes into is uh, the family support network. And I'm going to have a go at your missus here, mate, because this is ridiculous, right? You're breaking your neck in training. You're working hard. You're grafting away. You're cutting weight. You're obviously leaving out the burgers and all this type of stuff. And she goes and books an holiday with the kids and clears off and leaves you at home. Well, well this, is, this is the thing. What's this it, about? It was me who booked it. <laughs> get them out of the house. Go on, clear get off. I'm training. Yeah, yeah, get them out of the way. <laughs> but, uh, but no, yeah, I mean, obviously I'd have been there if I could. But you know what? You know what I was training. But yeah, they, uh, they got away for a week. Like, kids were off school. So, so why not? You got to, mate. You know what I mean? Like you say, it's the biggest fight of your life. I kind of like that, in a way. Go on, you clear off. Go and get some sun on your back. I'm going to get my head down and get proper training here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. As ever, I am extremely biased. Uh, <laughs> Martin Murray uh, is a top boy. He's been in here a couple of times. If you want to hear an extended in-studio interview with Martin Murray, uh, please subscribe to the podcast. It's absolutely free. You'll be able to see it there, the Martin Murray interview. We have about 40 minutes talking about all different stuff where we go back into his past, uh, being in prison and where he's at right at this moment in time. So I'm extremely biased with this guy. I don't know where you're, you're at with it, Nick. Uh, this is obviously a 50-50 fight, as I said to him in that particular chat there. Um, yep. But it seems to me that George Groves sees this as a 80-20 or a 70-30. He's got a very high opinion of himself going into this fight. He does, yeah. You know, listen, I'm similar to you, Adam. You know, I, when I was first starting out in this game, covering boxing for the Daily Post before he even went to the Little Echo, I was writing about Martin Murray winning his ABA title for St. Helens Town. I've known Martin for, you know, best part of 15 years. So, of course, you know me, I like to champion all the lads from the Northwest. But that said, I've, I've grown a, a good relationship with George Groves over the years. I really like George. He's a really nice guy. Um, and I really thought George was going to do it. You know, flashback to the the fight with Carl Proch, I thought he was outstanding in the first fight, and I, hand on heart, yeah, I did. I, I actually tipped him to beat Proch in the rematch. Me and Anthony Fowler had a bit of a sexual over it because I thought Groves was really going to do it. I thought it was going to be a, a change of the guard, if you like, but George has come up short. He's licking his wounds. Our man Martin's come up short a couple of times. He's licking his wounds. For me, this is the best domestic super middleweight fight right now, you know, don't get me wrong, James DeGale's a world champion. This is the best This is the best domestic fight that we've had since Frotch Groves. No question, yeah. in my opinion. Yes, and I'm not saying these are the two best super middleweights. You know, we love, we love Callum Smith and what a... Yeah, of course. It's because of how even it is, yeah? Exactly. It's because of where these two are in the road. You know, it's such a crossroads fight. The winner of this genuinely will get a world title shot. The yeah. loser of this, where do they go now? You know, and that's what makes it such a brilliant fight. Kudos to both of them for taking it with no belt on the line. Um, you know, but I think Martin is right. I think George Groves is underestimating him. You know, I read something this week that George was comparing himself to Golovkin. He said, Martin Murray needs to think of me like I'm going to do to him what Golovkin did to him. And I thought, well, you know, be careful now because Golovkin's the best, arguably the best fighter on mm. the planet. George Groves is not the best fighter on the planet. So if it goes to the trenches, believe me, Martin Murray will still be there. And that's not to say George hasn't got a heart as well, but. Listen, both these guys can bang, both these guys can move, both these guys have got incredible engines, and this has got Fight of the Year stamped all over it, I think. No, absolutely. I could not agree more, mate. And like what you just said there, the beautiful thing about it is, and we saw this with Groves de Gale, 
Um, and that's probably the first time that I saw it with Groves, is that he is prepared to go into the trenches. I've, I've lost count of how many fights that Martin Murray's been in the trenches, so we know that he'll go there as well. This could be... Oh, I mean, it, it, I've, I've, there's certain fights that come along that you just go, oh my word, I am not missing that. You know what I mean? The kid's going to bed, the wife's going to, the wife's going to bed, leave me alone. This is going to be an absolute <laughs> screamer. I'm in front of the TV watching this without any shadow of a doubt. What's your gut instinct on it? Um, <clears throat> genuinely, I, I can't even split them. You know, I, I think it'll go to points. I think it'll yeah, go to distance. I'm mm. too proud for one of them to go down. You know, it's going to have to be an incredible shot for one of them to go down, but I think it'll go to a point and I, I genuinely think it'll be overweight. It could go either way. At the moment, I'd probably slightly give the nod to George Groves with it being on home turf for him, if you like, but, well, you know, once, once that bell rings, these two are going to go to war and, you know, at the end of the day, whoever wants it most, I just hope the referee lets them get on yeah, with it. Yeah, that's and the I, thing. And, I hope, and I, hope, I hope the judges give them the fair crack. You know, I, I want it to be a well-scored fight. I hope Terry O'Connor, you know, the, the scourge of British boxing, in my opinion, the worst referee and judge in the business. I hope he's nowhere near the ring because uh, I just want it to be a great fight and I want both of them to come out of it with all the credit in the world and uh, maybe the best man win. That's all I can say. I'm not saying this because you've just tipped George Groves. I genuinely think that Martin Murray will win this on points. I do I agree. So. I, I agree I with genuinely you. Genuinely hope so. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think so. it'll go the distance, but I think uh, Martin will come out on points. Uh, Eubank Junior is also on this card, mate. Very exciting. He uh, seems to have uh, teamed up once again with Matchroom. Uh, back yeah. and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's a good in this. Tom Doran, he was in an absolute banger um, last time out on the deck, got back up, um, knocked his opponent down on two separate occasions. Uh, a real fight of the year contender last time out. However, if we're honest, Tom's got his work cut out because Eubank Jr. is starting to look ferocious. He is, yeah. You know, this is a kid that's genuine world class. We've said that for a while. You know, he's got everything. He really has got everything. There's a reason why we're talking about him as a potential opponent for Golovkin, and that's because he's probably earned it. You know, I feel a bit for Tom Doran. He's a brave kid. He's got an undefeated record. He's got absolutely nothing to lose. But, you know, I think the days of Eubank facing British-level, you know, prospects, if you like, undefeated British prospects, has gone for me now. You know, I, I don't... I don't know why, I don't want to see him beat up any more young British lads. I think he's beyond that level. I think he needs yeah. to be more European level. Well, there's strong rumours that they're doing a deal with Golovkin. Well, exactly. So if Golovkin's next, why is he fighting, you know, a really good, talented British prospect? Hmm. Why isn't he fighting a, a veteran European or a former world champion or somebody that is really going to, you know, sharpen him up? For me, Jordan is, is a little bit of a hand-picked opponent. And that, you know, that, I think that's just a, a little bit disappointing because I think Eubank's beyond this level. And that's to take nothing away from Tom Doran. Good on the kid for taking the fight. And he changes his life if he beats, if he beats Eubank Jr. That's yeah. a fact. But for me, I, I just think Eubank Jr. is beyond this level now. You know, a former world champion would have been a better opponent for me. Or a European level fighter would have been a better opponent for me. Especially if he is serious about campaigning for the Golovkin fight now. Let's get on to the big boys, the main attraction. I say the main attraction. The main attraction for me is Murray Groves, but above them is obviously uh, Joshua Brazil uh, for the IBF Heavyweight Championship of the World. There'll be casual fans that look at this and they've fallen in love with Anthony Joshua. And they'll be thinking to himself, oh, I've never heard of the other fella, so Anthony Joshua is going to go in there and smash this kid to bits. Now, if I'm honest, I, I think Anthony Joshua will smash this kid to bits, but I'm going to make a really weird prediction here, Nick. See, see if you can see where I'm coming from with this. I think that Anthony Joshua will win this fight, but he will have to get up off the deck to do it. 
Oh, wow, that's a cracking shout. I nice just one. think that Brazil has got enough power to stun him early, and it just might shake him up a little bit. I'm not saying yeah. that he's going to knock Anthony Joshua out. I think Anthony Joshua will have enough about him, as we saw in the Dillian White fight, to get up, get his wits about him, and get on with the job. But I just think that there's a, there's a something about Dominic Brazil that I really, really like. Obviously, he's a former Olympian, former American football player. He's a big boy. He's got a great knockout rate. And it's heavyweight boxing. Anything can yeah, happen. Yeah. I just think he might be able to sneak something in early. I think you're absolutely right in terms of being heavyweight boxing and literally anything can happen. I just don't know whether Brazil's ever experienced the level of occasion that Saturday is going to bring. Yeah. You know, it's going to be packed down here in London. You know, literally people are fighting over themselves here for tickets. You know, everybody I know in the industry has been kind of reaching round saying... Ah, that's why you're in London. That's yeah. why you're in London, is it? All right. Yeah, cheers, mate. Cheers, me, yeah. Me, me and Mike are going to fight traffic. Sorry, I meant to say that, yeah. <laughs> but literally, everyone's after tickets. You know, everyone at the USC wants tickets and everyone's, you know, doing each other favours to try and get ringside for this one because people know we can sense AJ's, uh, you know, he's like the British version of Tyson, you know. He's coming through. He's knocked. He's knocked everybody out. Something special is happening with Anthony Joshua down here in London, and for the UK fans. And I think Mr. Dominic's going to find that out on Saturday night. I think Brazil's going to turn up. He's going to see the pay-per-view numbers. He's going to see the crowd. He's going to the 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 occasion itself is going to be something bigger than he's ever experienced before. And he's going to be right under the spotlight. And the problem is, if you get caught in the spotlight. And AJ's used to it now. He's fought down here a few times. He's picked himself up about the four against Dillian White. He's got a way of title belt around his weight. He genuinely believes he's the best heavyweight on the planet right now. And he's going to prove it on Saturday night. And I think he's going to make a statement. For me, this one finishes. It's, it's a quick one. I think if it, goes three, if it goes past four rounds, I'll be surprised. I think mm. he's going to absolutely steam this kid, especially with him being a lot taller. He doesn't want to let him get into a rhythm. He doesn't want to get him... Yeah. I was just about to ask you about that because he is, like you say, he's a lot taller, he's got a lot longer reach. This is a real test for Anthony Joshua to show what he is all about in the heavyweight division. Exactly, and you know, the guys with the rest of the belt in the weight division, I'm talking about about Tyson Fury, obviously, Klitschko, if he beats Fury, they're all bigger guys as well. So Even Deontay Wilder's a bigger guy than him. Exactly, so AJ needs to make a statement to all these bigger guys that this is what I do to big men. I will. I rip them apart, and you three are next, or whoever wants it next, you're going to get it. So he wants to make a statement. Showtime are obviously going to be screening the fight in the US. Yeah. You know, they're trying to build up a fight with Deontay Wilder. This is a statement night for AJ. This is the moment when the whole of the country goes, God damn it, we have got the future of heavyweight boxing. I think he obliterates them in a couple of rounds. And I think by the, you know, all his doubters will be gone by then. And, uh, you know, as I say, we're looking at. The, be- the beginnings of a career that could well be second only to Lennox Lewis in terms of success of British heavyweight of all time. If, so exciting. If he can't make um, the Tyson Fury or the Deontay Wilder or the Klitschko fight in the next uh, six to eight months and he might need a big fella to maybe face in order to get uh, in full preparation for that, there's a certain uh, uh, scouser who's uh, back on the scene that is uh, now ranked uh, with the IBF that might fancy that. Barry Grant. <laughs> Get big bad Barry Grant in with him. 
Heavyweight, hey, heavyweight boxing strange, mate. You know what I mean? Listen, if he I'm needs a, a top 15 ranked opponent just to keep himself ticking over, stranger things have happened. David Price could be in there with a shot at the heavyweight crown. Listen, I'm telling you right now, David Price is in the mix of all the heavyweight titles right now. Don't be surprised if he skips ahead of AJ and gets the, the Deontay Wilder fight. We've hinted at that before. Mm. I think that could even still happen, but you're 100% right, Adam, and I think the difference there is, for me, David Price hits harder than Rizal, Dominic Rizal this weekend. He's got a bigger punch in him. His right hand has got more KO power, in my opinion. I think if Price he gets the right fight, the right time, and it's his moment, you know, at the end of the day, I'm down here this week with Michael Brisbane. If anybody can prove that if it's on your night, you know, the stars can align. If David Price hits any of them heavyweights on the chin, they're getting knocked out. And, that, you know, I think Price is still right in the mix. And all it takes is one phone call and he's right back in there. Still, him and AJ will fight at some point because there's a story there. There's a narrative to sell. Two former Great Britain Olympic yeah. medalists. There's a story there. Mm. So if the fight is definitely going to happen. All Price he needs to do is get a couple more wins under his belt. So as I say, he could get the phone call to fight Deontay Wilder first over in the USA. All he has to do, he beats Wilder, well then, he's sitting at the top table alongside uh, Tyson Fury and AJ, so super exciting time for heavyweight division. But uh, being down here this week, getting a real sense of how London is ready, getting prepared itself for AJ this weekend, you get the sense that something a bit special is going on, you know, it's, it, it's great, it really, you can feel the tension and the atmosphere that something special is going to go down on Saturday night. So just to confirm, AJ within three rounds, Groves on points, that's your double. No, I would never ever bet against Martin Murray. <laughs> you said it ten minutes ago that you were edging towards George Groves. I said, I said that that's because I'm down here in London, but I want to get back home to the northwest. <laughs> want to cross that Runcorn Bridge, and I, you know, I, listen, I would never ever bet against Martin Murray. I've known the kid too long. We're good friends. So and, go on, uh, then. What are you doing? Are you doing AJ within three rounds and Martin Murray? That, that's going to be my double, yeah. AJ within three rounds and Martin Murray on okay. points. Right, I'm going AJ to get up off the canvas and win and Martin Murray on points. That's where I'm going. All right, mate. Next time with the Fight Disciples. Quite obviously, we'll be looking back at Joshua Brazil and Murray Groves. Also, we start our build-up towards Fury, Klitschko and UFC 200. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard... Subscribe via iTunes.